0: Hello, welcome to Musicast. My name is C.J. Cox. This podcast is a production of the Foundation for New American Musicals, which is dedicated to educating, mentoring, and showcasing the next generations of creators of musicals for stage, screen, and new media. This is going to be a family episode, in which I'm going to talk to musical theater star Valerie Perry. We'll discuss her background, her career, and her family. Specifically, her sons, twin composers Jack and Benny Lipson. They performed selections from their song cycle "Brainstorm" at a recent musicale, and they invited me to their home in the Boyle Heights section of Los Angeles to talk about it. So let's hear from Jack and Benny. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about your
1: song cycle that you performed at musicale? Um, Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, uh, so at music at musicale in September, we did five selections from our song cycle "Brainstorm," um, which is essentially three. 20-somethings all coming together and um, and hashing out their um, response to today's complicated political social climate. Um, and, the uh, gosh, they sing about bee extinction. They sing about uh, asking for consent. Asking uh-huh. for consent. They sing about Which is a big topic now. Which is a big yeah. topic Absolutely. now. Hot button. Um, uh, they sing about Oh, gosh, what's Um, They can sing about climate change change. in the show. There's uh, stuff about queer identity. Uh, We've got a little eye doctor. Medical bureaucracy. (laughs) Yes. Um, But yes, but we sort of uh, like the idea of there's a whole landscape of millennials, and we're taking the idea of zooming in on three uh, in particular that we feel as if don't necessarily uh, have a voice in the popular media today. Uh, um, But let's
0: talk a little bit about your, well, first of all, your your background. Now, uh, this is a family episode, so we talked, I (laughs) talked with your mother a little bit. Uh, And you guys, uh, you guys grew up in a musical family.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Well, when we were born, seven weeks after we went on tour with um, Evita, Mm -hmm. the second national tour, and our mom was playing Ava Peron, I'm I'm sure she, she said so earlier. She wasn't the mistress, but...
0: So, you guys are practically that... uh, uh, The cliche of being born in a trunk in a, you know, backstage... Yeah, I
1: assume that most kids... Form, formative music experiences are with like Rafi or with uh, other, other kids programs. <laughs> Rafi great. I mean, no, Rafi is great. Not, I'm not, but, but our, our first, our first our music th- teacher was Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, that's, that's no. true. So, um, uh, and yeah, so I'm wondering the good musicians, mm-hmm. um, you know did your parents force you into this you this is a safe space you can you can tell us
1: <laughs> it's a safe space on the internet, it's a safe um, space on the, internet. the yeah not necessarily forced us. They didn't have the idea, like, we're going to have kids and they're going to become musicians. And to the added layer, our mom didn't say, I'm going to get kids that can accompany me and I don't have to pay them as much. That wasn't the goal going forward. But definitely the musical family and our mom's but but mom. But you're
0: saying she used you as child labor.
1: <laughs> Still. No, it's, just, no, it's it, a pair entire It's a prudent forward investment. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where okay. you say, instead of, you know, down the line, I'm going to, you know, keep... Hiring accompanists and hiring coaches and stuff um, is just. I'm going to make an investment in my children. They're going to. They're going to grow, um, and I mean, and become extremely uh, thankful yeah. for this training. Uh, and um, and then if I if I do that now, then. I can I can use them, and I, I just went over her ragtime music. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, no, but we weren't forced into right. it, but, but we got into piano lessons uh, when we were seven. We had a teacher very close to us, and it was sort of by the book, and then um, we sort of took the next step into this sphere in middle school. We started studying with this guy, Gerald White, who was an amazing um, both singer and pianist, and just an all-around musician where he was able to sort of get us into music theory mm-hmm. without having us sit down. And uh, I guess what most people might think about music theory in a classroom and a, a whiteboard that has staff paper on it, right. and, you know, lines on it. But uh, instead, you know, putting the music theory into the piano and and learning it through that. So that's sort of when uh, that that sort of opened up the like the the box for music as mm-hmm. something that we were really passionate about and something that was relatable playing in like their beginner books, though it's definitely important technique and, and that early education, it, it wasn't necessarily uh, moving us as much as, oh, Gerald said, go to the keyboard concepts on the corner and buy some single sheet music of five songs you like. Okay. So, and you know, from there it was like becoming, turning into the accompanying ourselves and singing and doing some vocal coaching too, so that's what that was part of it. And and um, you know, our parents sensed our desire and excitement about it from that point forward. And we're just always continually supportive and trying to put us
0: Did you guys always of, but you always felt drawn towards towards music and performing?
1: I think uh, I, I, from very early on there was a sense that we would be Performing in some kind of capacity, mm-hmm. I don't know and when. No one, really, no one, yeah, no one really knew. <laughs> no one really knew uh, which capacity that would be, but that we would be playing or singing or writing or something. I guess writing isn't performing, but no, still, it's, it's musical. It's, yeah. It's and musical. at
0: what point? At what point did you guys decide? Like, okay, this is we're going to make a life as musicians.
1: Well, I was. Uh, it, I started my first year of school at. University of Miami, and I wanted to go, we went to this school, Loxa, it's close to here, but um, a performing arts high school, mm-hmm. and it's very conservatory-esque, where you don't, there aren't uh, sports teams or, or school dances and whatever. Except um, two, we have to give them some credit. <laughs> so, so, but I was looking for that, um, I was looking for that more uh, university experience. So when I went to University of Miami, which has a great music program, jazz program, uh, I was like well i 'm also going to get into like some broadcasting sports broadcasting. I was like maybe i 'll just use music as a as one of my greatest hobbies, but I want to go into some other field and after a th- like the first semester of taking a few classes, I was so uh not interested in like having to wear specific things to work or mm-hmm. or you have to keep your facial hair at a certain length so and I loved music, so it was it was a no brainer. But that was a shift for me to say, like, I'm going to make music work as my full time career and my passion. Okay. And how? Um,
0: what have been the biggest struggles with that choice, and what have been the biggest uh, the biggest rewards for you? Oh my God. Mm.
1: Well. I think now – I mean like a more recent struggle and certainly when you study in university or college, when you're – the programs aren't necessarily set up for you to become a performer or um, to – they're not giving you ways to necessarily make a living other than, well, as long as you continue to perfect your craft and keep studying, you can teach. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I I didn't ever really want to be a teacher, Jack. Mm, I, I've I've done it some, and it's fun. It's fun, but it's not as fun as it's not right. as fun so, as performing. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, okay. um, you know, in terms of like coming branding yourself and putting yourself out there, and mar- there's so much that you're not necessarily right. taught in school. So over the last four years since I've been out of school. I think that's been a sort of the the most difficult task is yeah, trying yeah. to find where your avenue is and how you're going to market yourself into mm-hmm. through that avenue. And ju- ju- just all the all the peripheral tasks that you have to do that aren't necessarily creative or musical in order to uh, at essentially some point, yeah, yeah, yeah. running
0: running a business. Yeah, that, absolutely. You know. Yeah,
1: and they're like, oh, make a website and have your demos. But it's definitely not about you. Got to show up to uh, that show and talk to this person, or, or you want to put yourself out there in this way. Um, that's I, I don't want to say it's a struggle. It's just a part of the learning curve. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say, but the, you, you asked the, the 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 most rewarding or best part. Yeah, exactly. Of this is that I mean, I I make my own schedule. Um, I I I perform almost only what I want to do. Um, It's, I'm I'm always, I'm always, I'm always learning Mm -hmm. more um, about, about music and the craft of storytelling and, and drama. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I, I think, I think, I don't know. I feel very fortunate to, 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 to do that.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's great. Talk to me a little bit about your writing process because, um, how do you guys, how do you guys approach composing?
1: Well, both of us are, uh, at this point in our writing sort of f- have a firm belief that starting with the lyrics is, um, the most important, so that we can then craft the music around the message and the story, the words that we want to use um, so we've been practicing that i guess the last three years i want to say
0: so do you do you work together on coming up with a with a lyric and uh, and then you find
1: no i mean one 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 either of us has an idea a ly- a lyrical idea um, and we either hash it out completely by ourselves or we bring it uh, to one another? Yeah, some th- some material is like totally one or the other and some stuff is very much a collaboration. Um, lately, it's been more separate mm-hmm. where like we'll talk about the ideas and we're able to bounce it off one another but it's sort of like one person runs with it and does the work separately um, and then brings it to the other and then... From there, we can fine-tune it together, or we can say, I don't, I don't understand this line, or I think you can craft this better. So that's sort of where it's been lately. I remember one time, I, I was like, Jack, I got a, an idea for a song, and we talked about it, and then he came into to me, he's like, oh, I wrote a little paragraph, you know, I wrote a stanza or whatever. I'm like, what do you mean? I, I, I didn't realize you were going to run away with it. <laughs> but <laughs> It's funny, because that song was about like a runaway train
0: yeah so <laughs> now are there because you guys have such a you know such a close history I mean as opposed to I've talked to other to other composing teams that considered some, themselves close but you guys grew up together you live together you work together um, are there frustrations with uh, with spending so much time together Yeah
1: yeah <laughs> well it's over
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine there are there are benefits that you guys uh, do you feel that you have sort of a shorthand uh, to uh, to communicate better
1: um, I, I don't necessarily see that but um i I will say that there's there's kind of there there's a there's no a-, a limit to the frustration that we can share with one another because um, in the end, we're siblings, and that that fact and that bond is stronger
0: and the relationship than, is permanent, no matter what yeah, it's like, yeah.
1: so and th- I think that's the best part about living together is that you know so uh, r- friends go in living together mm-hmm. um, and I don't know someone someone keeps the refrigerator kind of gnarly and another leaves the blankets unfolded, I don't know, and and they start quarreling, and then they're not friends anymore, but we sort of like yell consistently, Um, and it doesn't doesn't change that we're brothers and and best friends. Actually, the way we treat each other has sort of turned into the comedy banter at our shows when we perform, and people are like, oh, (laughs) knee slapping, I'm I'm like, you know, I understand you think it's funny, but that's really just how we treat each other (laughs) at our daily life. I'm like uh, there's snarky comments back and forth. Um, yeah, I don't even know when we started developing it, but it, it seems to work for our relationship here. And we and we it, we immediately said yes. Like we get frustrated, but it's um, it's out of a lot of love and just. I think what it comes down to is mostly we have such high expectations for one another that we want to push ourselves to that limit. I know Jack is capable of so much and. I get frustrated when he's not get, uh, performing at that level. Or
0: okay, so you feel like you're able to push each other maybe harder than you would if this was somebody that you didn't know as well.
1: Right, you don't have to. You don't have to like dress up your your angst in, in, like, in sp- and like and special and tender and and um, safe words. Okay, know, just kind of like blare all. <laughs> yeah, I, I really think that that. Um, it comes that sort of love and passion sometimes um, presents itself in frustration.
0: Okay.
1: And that's the frustration I think we're talking about, but uh, overall the relationship really works because of that growing up and having this shared similar experience with our family and with a lot of the music that we know, we're able to uh, communicate through those examples or talk about those things, whereas I don't necessarily know anybody else that has the same musical palette and the same musical knowledge that Jack does. That spans much more than just theater or, or anything else. It well, is, because
0: uh, with that, I think that I find that your music has a lot more jazz influence than uh, I think a lot of other composers your age. Um, cool. Did that come uh, or, organically? Um, did you did you grow up with jazz?
1: Um, yes, uh, yes, I yes, in middle school, in middle <laughs> school, we yeah. started playing in the jazz band and they started teaching us about improvising. I wouldn't say it was, you know, the most robust education in the, in the field. Um, and in the, in the high school that we went to, um, it was, uh, pr- they were pretty particular on, on choosing whether your lane was classical or your lane was jazz, um, and I sort of went the classical lane, and Benny went the jazz lane, um, and and so and because you know they, it's not even just if you're going to extend the metaphor of lanes, there's like a there's kind of a very tall barrier or island in between them, and, and there starts I think there starts to become some animosity, like oh the classical players don't like jazz, and the jazz players think classical is too rigid, um, and so uh, I think once we were out of that environment, we started to appreciate. The other more yeah, I have a ton of, i I went to school and studied jazz, bass, and voice, and so I have a lot of training in it. I think how it shows up in our music is more the element of just like uh extended harmony where we're not settled with a a triad as the sh- as the sound you know the, we have to continue piling more extensions on top. And so, and just like a freer sense of harmonic yeah, 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 yeah. So, and I don't know if I guess we would never say we were intentionally using that to uh, invite jazz into the music. Mm-hmm. It's more just trying to create a harmonic uh, landscape that you don't necessarily hear uh, in other songs. We're just very particular about like making sure it sounds unique and unlike. Uh, anything else, you don't want to confuse our material for, oh, well, it sounds like this person. It's really a combination of lots of, of different things. So jazz makes its way in there through that um, use of harmonic mm-hmm. Good language. What do you guys... Are you guys
0: working on a full-length musical? Or have you have you thought about that? Um, do you have, do you have plans for that? What are your, what are sort your goals? Like, where would you see yourself kind of writing in, in five years?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I love telling stories through music. We I mean, we would love to write shows, and and we're continually listening to uh, soundtracks. We're continually uh, going to see shows. We're seeing readings like at Molly House. And sort of, we've gotten into this ele- this period of learning now where we're really thinking about how to use the music to further these characters and how to construct a show. I think we would probably be writing full-length shows if we felt like we were competent book writers.
0: And at the same time, you guys are also busy, uh, you're playing gigs,
2: Uh
1: yeah. Yeah. We perform. Well, we perform a lot, you know, in terms of making cash and earning a living, but also we play a lot as Jack Benny, mm-hmm. the two of us. Uh, and mostly it's a two act show uh, with a lot of those songs from Brainstorm and other songs of, of the canon that we've written. It's sort of a comedy um, performance along with our music. So. We it's a lot of work to put those on and to play at the level that we want to be able to mm-hmm. perform at and execute. So And it kind of became this workshop, this um, accidental workshop for the songs in Brainstorm.
0: Now, if people want to find out how to uh, uh, to keep track of you, to see your shows, uh, how would they find out about you? you want to give us well, your... your- your details your social media sure
1: well sure well definitely everything is available at www.jackbennynow.com uh on the website you can sign up for an email list um which i take great pride in in writing these like sort of uh blog blurbs it's not a chimp it's not yes yeah, <laughs> it's 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 no. a, it's not it's not your typical yeah <laughs> okay. Not yeah, a male chump. Not a male chump. Yeah, it's it's not it's not your it's not your typical newsletter kind of thing. I, I give little anecdotes about okay. where we've been, what we're doing. Um and then from the website you can find um our Facebook page, which is Jack Benny Now or Facebook dot com slash Jack Now and then on Instagram at Jack Now. That's, that's awesome. and then I will say, you know, the, what we're working towards now is at March on March sixteenth at the Luckman Fine Arts Complex, we're doing our two act show. "It's National See a Show Day," and where um, it's the Luckman is where we went is on the campus of Cal State LA, where we went to high school. Mm-hmm. So we're sort of treating it as like a fun, like returning to high school type thing. But really, uh, we're working towards this show, and it's really the biggest production we've had yet, where we get a budget and we get to design a set and we get to uh, play with some props or some costumes. All that stuff uh, is happening on March 16th at the Luckman for us. Okay. So those tickets are on our website and everything like that. But Benny does a good job of organizing our, our calendar online.
0: All right, that sounds that sounds great. I I, I wish uh, we could talk all day. Um, uh, so I wish we had more time. But uh, thank you so much for talking to me. Of and course, uh, thank I will you. look forward to seeing to seeing more of your work and uh, and hopefully seeing the show at the Luckman.
1: I look forward to sharing it Absolutely. with you. Absolutely. Yeah, thank All you. Right. All right,
0: great. Thank, thank you. you. Let's get a feel for some of their music. This is the Eye Doctor song performed at a recent musicale.
2: I saw an optometrist in an office on the 27th story. Have a plaza at two intersecting From a misty morning light. I waited several minutes In the anteroom room After waiting several months Till they would see me The clerk at reception Called my name They led me to a room I sat And soon enough The doctor came I'm facing tomorrow So instead I came To ask you waited half an hour in the anteroom. After waiting half a year till they would see me. The clerk at reception called my name. They led me to a room I sat. And soon enough the doctor came.
0: Song by Jack and Benny Lipson was performed by Bella Hicks with David Davis and Jonathan Reinhardt. From here, we are going to a lovely house out in the valley where I am going to talk to their mother, who is currently starring in ragtime at the Pasadena Playhouse here in Los Angeles. Let's meet Valerie Perry. You have made a career of playing some of the most iconic women in theater, from Hello Dolly to Sunset Boulevard to uh, to Evita. Um Was that always the plan for you? Did you always know this is this is what you wanted to do with your life?
3: I think basically it was always in my blood mm-hmm. uh, when I was a little kid. I always listened to my mother play music on the piano, and I would sing, and I just enjoyed myself tremendously doing it. But like anybody who is about to go off to college has to think about, well, can I make a living doing this mm-hmm. So I, because
0: I I do think that there's, there's a difference between thinking there's a, there's a point in your life where you think like, wow, it would be great to do this. Yeah. But at what point did you, did you think, yeah, I think I can, I can make a go of this.
3: Uh, I would say my first year of college, I, I double majored one uh, in speech pathology and theater arts. And as soon as I was cast as a Kit Kat girl in Cabaret, <laughs> I said, oh, I like this. Okay. And uh, very shortly after my second year, I dropped the speech pathology major, and I just majored in theater.
0: Was that, was that a scary decision for you? Was it difficult
3: at all? I think it was scarier for my parents. <laughs> well, I, yeah. For me, I, was, I felt very comfortable in doing what I do. Uh, I always felt very confident that I had the goods to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my parents would, would have liked me to have kept that double major just as a backup, as as most parents do. Mm-hmm. I think probably I was the only parent in the group of friends that I had that said, Oh yeah, my kids are gonna be musicians, that's great. And, you know And, you were, yeah. <laughs> and I was gung ho, it's fine. You know, I, I guess My whole theory in life is you just have to be passionate about what you do, and uh, that's what propels you to move on and to really enjoy each and every part of it.
0: Now, did you, where did you go to school?
3: Uh, to college, I went to the University of Miami in Coral Gables, Florida.
0: Okay, so
3: and it was a very uh, quick decision. Uh-huh. I had uh, I had to audition for the theater arts department, and I was also going to be auditioning for Carnegie Mellon, which is uh, in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. where I'm from and my the card for the audition uh, got lost in the mail so that I didn't get it until after the audition was scheduled. So I, I, I auditioned for Miami, and yeah, I that said... That must
0: have been so frustrating for you.
3: Yeah, uh-huh. it was a little frustrating. However... After growing up in Pennsylvania and having to fight those winters, <laughs> Miami was just golden yeah. as far as I was concerned. So, and it ended up being the right choice. It was a marvelous uh, program there. I had some pretty important colleagues. I, I went to school with Ray Liotta. Ah, yeah,
2: that's
3: impressive. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Stephen Bauer uh-huh. and uh, uh, Sandra Santiago. Like a lot of people who went on to have very prominent careers in television and film
0: and after after college uh did you go to new york what was your No was your next I step?
3: actually came out here to Los Angeles
0: mm-hmm. uh and why LA and not I mean if, a lot of people would assume that it's I know to new york.
3: I know I know I think I was caught between the fact that I had a very serious relationship and I thought that if I went east I would end up just kind of Getting too involved in that mm-hmm. and not doing my career. And I decided that I really wanted to be very independent and I came out to Los Angeles and I ended up back in New York years later. So, you know, I guess everybody takes a certain career path. Exactly. So how
0: was Los Angeles when you first when you first oh, came?
3: It was Big and scary, and I had no agent, and I had this little one-room uh, apartment on June Street in, in Hollywood, and I had probably a yogurt and a bottle of water in my <laughs> refrigerator. I was uh, working part time as a receptionist for Jimmy Comac Company uh, at ABC on Prospect. And I got involved in a little tiny show at the Zephyr Theater called "A Five Six Seven Eight Take 2. Mm-hmm. and it was a musical review. And it was it was an amazing little piece that uh, actually launched several careers. Um, and we ended up recording an album, and wow. and it was really a, a fun experience, and it, it and it was great, and and. Uh, ironically from LA, I ended up moving to New York. Um, uh, but it was a vita that I got here in LA. So there you go. <laughs> so,
0: so it was actually advantageous. Do you, do you feel like moving to Los Angeles sort of gave you kind of more time to, to develop your craft? To, uh... Uh,
3: yes. Yes. Somewhat. Um, although you would think that uh, with theater, I would, go straight to New York to develop it. But I don't know if I was really ready to go to New York um, emotionally. Mm-hmm. I think I was very prepared as far as my craft goes, and I, I, I believe I would have been working much sooner. But I needed to really be on my own and figure out what it was um, that I needed to do to bring me to a, a, the point of Evita. I mean you know, when, when I think about being out here in LA at that time, I had no agent. Mm -hmm. I had no manager. I had, I was, I wasn't a member of any union. I was just so young and green. And, uh, I just went to some call where an agent at the time, uh, saw me. He had another client that was at the audition and, he said, you know, I, I, I really think you have something, mm-hmm. and I'd love to start sending you out. I, I can't sign you uh, because uh, I, I, I have too many people in my agency, but mm-hmm. I, I'd like to try to work with you. And he was the one who uh, called me and said, there are auditions for this show called Evita, and uh, they'd like to see you. I have. I got an audition for you.
0: And this was for the first national tour? This
3: was the first national tour. It was here in Los It was a sit-down company in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. And um, it sat here for like three years. But I was only in it for, I think, six or eight months, something like that. And then they offered me the next company which was the chicago company uh-huh. so uh i w- i worked as the alternate i don't know if you're familiar yeah. with that but yeah uh it was there were two avitas actually there were three avitas in every company but there was the woman who was basically the head of the company who who uh got all the press and did all the evening shows then there mm. was what you call an alternate which i was um Uh, who did all the matinees Mm -hmm. and I would go on if she couldn't go on and if I I couldn't go on she would go on so we alternated for each other then there was a third one who was an understudy who would only go on if the two of us could not go on so um, but I worked as an alternate for those uh, first six months or so here in Los Angeles and um, and and then Hal Prince came and said I want to offer you the Chicago company
0: um, now Did uh, did Hal Prince direct the the production in Los Angeles? Yes, he did. Okay. Was that intimidating for that to be kind of your first big role to to work with somebody as legendary as Hal Prince?
3: Well, it was exciting. It was extremely exciting. And in the beginning, um, I didn't really have a whole lot to do in the show. I was in the opening number and I was in the closing number. And the rest of the time, I was kind of standing by mm-hmm. for uh, Lonnie Ackerman, who was playing uh, the role in the evening. So I remember during one of the rehearsals, uh, she had we had just finished doing a whole run through of the show, and um, and then Hal turned to Lonnie and said, uh, "Lonnie, you take the morning off tomorrow, Val." You're on. Ah. we, you know, you do a run through because basically, I was on two days later after she opened because uh-huh. I did the matinees, and uh, I, I remember waking up that morning and like I had no voice. I was so anxious about the whole thing, <laughs> and uh, you know, by the time I got there, you know, I had calmed down, um, but it was scary. I mean, I was very, I was very young at the time. I was the youngest Evita ever to play the role, wow. and. Um, and again, I didn't really get that much attention at that, that first few weeks of rehearsal because they were very concerned about all their other main leads that would be reviewed. Mm-hmm. And um, so I kind of had to teach myself a lot of it. Um, and um, and once I went on, it, it made everything so much easier. It's mm-hmm. the first time you... You hear your voice amplified in this theater, you know, you think, oh my gosh, I, I can do this, I can do
0: this. <laughs> that must have been very exciting for it you. It was very exciting. Um, and then you went and you, you starred in the Chicago yes, production of Yes, yes. And I, how long were you there?
3: I was there for a year, and then we took that company on a tour. So I was, uh, I think I stayed for another year. I signed another year contract. We went to Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. and Toronto. And oh my gosh, we, we hit so many different cities. And we sat down for like uh, six months in each city, mm-hmm. you know, three to six months. Okay,
0: that's, that sounds, I mean, what do you think was the best part of touring around like that, of being able to kind of spend big chunks of time in, in different cities? And what were the biggest challenges?
3: Well, I I would say it was exciting to see uh, a lot of cities that I hadn't visited before um, challenging in the fact that there were so many opening nights and you had to stay really healthy Mm -hmm. And every opening night, you had to go through the anxiety of the fact that Andrew Lloyd Webber was there and Tim Rice was there and Hal Prince was there and all of the Stigwood people were there. So you had to really be able to come up with the goods each time you went to a different city. Because it was a big deal then. It was very new. You know, There were only a handful of us that were playing the role at the time.
0: Now, did you have any techniques to sort of deal with that stress or to, to keep from being overwhelmed by it? Because I could Uh, imagine that would be really intimidating.
3: Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I did at the time. I mean, I was just, I was young. I was, um, I, I guess I, I was fearless at that time. mm -hmm. And it's interesting now that I have children of my own and, and the two of them are now out there performing as musicians and i see that fearlessness in them you know now we look at ourselves as we've gotten older and we become so much more self-conscious about things but to me at that age um, i just would do anything i was just you know just give me a stage mm-hmm. give me a cane give me a hat <laughs> you know, i was i was just gung ho
0: now uh, so you are very well versed in evita now what are your what are some of your other favorite roles
3: uh, I think uh well let me see. Well I love Norma Desmond. Uh, I yeah. love Norma Desmond. Um there's something so grand uh about uh that character and um yeah, and it's is. kind of like a it is especially since Andrew Wood Weber, it's kind mm-hmm. of like a graduation <laughs> from Evita to go into to Norma. Um I I'm trying to think I I would say I love, I love all the roles in which there is a huge arc. Whether it's like going from like young Ava to the maturing Ava, um, or uh, uh, El to be able to go from the gutter snipe, whatever you want to call, <laughs> them, you know, and, and then all of a sudden becoming this lady. Anything that has those wonderful nuances. Uh, uh, to a character that you see a huge change, I, I, I love those kinds of roles, um, you know. And now I'm getting into more character roles, which is is very challenging uh, in its in its own way.
0: How have you How have you approached that um, kind of that transition?
3: Um, gracefully. <laughs>
0: Which Sometimes I think is, is the best that we can, yes, if we can yes. just get through with a little grace. Yes,
3: you know? yes. No, it's, it's, it's great. It, it really is. It's, um, again, you find those places to show some, you know, real humanity mm-hmm. in every character, which gives it fullness and, uh, gives it a lot of breath. Uh, I, you know, they're all challenging. I, I, it's funny, people always say to me, well, what's your favorite role? You know. Oh, I saw you in Dolly, or I saw you this. Mm-hmm. way. And the only thing I can come up with in an answer to that is that I just love whatever role I'm doing at the time. That becomes my favorite role.
0: Now, we've, you do a lot of theater in Los Angeles. So we recently saw you in uh, the Candor and Ab Review, um, And The World Goes Around. Correct. Uh, and you were rehearsing for Ragtime. Uh, so you're, you're very busy.
3: Well, you know, contrary to what a lot of people believe, those of people who are in New York, there is theater <laughs> in Los Angeles and a lot of good theater in Los Angeles. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and I, I feel very fortunate to be able to do a lot of these wonderful roles here. Uh, because this is where my home is. This is where my family is. And this is equally as important to me as let's,
0: working. Let's talk about that a little bit. So now, did you did you live in New York? I did. Uh, for how long?
3: I lived in New York from, hmm, let me see, uh, like 84 or 83 to 88. Or no, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, about ninety because I was going back and Mm -hmm. forth to L.A. and 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 New York. Uh, I did a soap opera there for a while, and I did some off Broadway stuff, and um, I kept getting calls for stuff here in L.A. So uh, eventually, I so there was
0: a draw towards yeah,
3: yeah, which was really ironic when I was here in L.A. You know, I want to be in New York. And then once I got to New York, I kept getting calls for L.A. And uh, I came out here in 1988, and I did two shows at the Pasadena Playhouse in Rep. I did Shock uh is alive and well, mm-hmm. and Harry Chapin's Lies and Legends. Mm. And they ended up moving the Harry Chapin's Lies and Legends to the Cannon Theater. It's no longer in existence now. It was in Beverly Hills. I
0: remember the theater, yeah.
3: And so I... I worked on that for quite some time, and I said, you know, I really like it in L.A. It's so nice not to have to uh, shove the snow. And, and <laughs> you it's can't so, beat the weather. You really can't, and mm-hmm. I am a creature of sunshine. I love sunshine. Yeah. It really changes my mood completely.
0: I notice that, so, that too. If yeah. it goes too many days without sun, then, then oh, I get grumpy. Me, too. But uh, was it more than, than just the sunshine? What made you decide, like, okay, L.A. is home? That, uh, that that's going to be your home base?
3: I think that the ultimate decision came to me when I was ready to have a family. I was in New York uh, with a girlfriend, and I had seen her on my way to a commercial audition, and and I was helping her with her stroller down the subway steps, and and she was in the rehearsal room. I was holding her baby while she went in to audition. And I said, oh, I can't do this. I would never be able to do this. I mean, I applaud her that that she's still out there doing it. But I just, I don't want that to be my life. I want to be somewhere. And, and, you know, you have to understand that I come from Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Actually, Dallas, Pennsylvania. Wilkes-Barre is the closest big city. Ah. But it's you know, it's land and (laughs) you know, it's the soil Uh and I love backyards and plants Mm -hmm. and trees and all that stuff. So it was pretty, pretty much inside of me that I wanted to eventually have that. And for me to have that in New York, I would have had to move upstate Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, this way I, I felt like I was getting it all. And, um, and then ultimately, my husband now works at CBS Television mm-hmm. Studios uh, on staff as their senior photographer. And when he got that job, it was you know sort of signed and sealed that this is where we were going to be. That
0: you would that you would settle here yeah. Uh, because yeah, this is sort of a family show because we are we are I'm also talking with Jack and Benny, your your yeah. sons. Um, but because a lot of people, I think. Assume that if you are choosing a life in the theater, that it might preclude family and home life and and all of those other things that can be really important. Uh, how do you how do you feel that you balance that, or how was that decision for you to say like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to have kids? And, uh, what was there a lot of thought that went into that, or did you know that you always wanted to have have a family?
3: I did. I've always felt that I wanted to have a family. It was equally as important to me as having a career. Mm -hmm. So you always have to give something up, at least temporarily. And uh, when the boys were born in 1992, I had signed a contract to go out on the road with another Evita tour. Oh, okay. And, uh, And I thought... And, and I should backtrack and say I didn't know I was going to have twins. <laughs> but in any that can case, come as a surprise to a lot of people. That came as a surprise. Uh-huh. Um, but once I found out that I was pregnant and with twins, uh, I went to the producer and I said, "You know, I've committed to this and I want to see this through. Um, how do you feel about me bringing the kids with me?" and going out on the road. And fortunately, the director of the show was Larry Fuller, who was the original Broadway choreographer Mm -hmm. of Evita. So we already had a relationship, and he was pulling for me. He said, listen, I think she could do it. She's very strong. She knows the role, and, you know, we'll get an alternate for her to do the matinees, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it'll be fine. So uh, I ended up doing this big tour for a year with my babies in tow. I mean, it, it was, it was kind of funny because the, f- the press had a field day with it.
0: How, how old were they at the time?
3: They were six weeks, eight <sighs> weeks old.
0: Oh, so yeah. you just, wow. That's yeah. okay. That's amazing yeah. because first of all, just carting around kids can be, can be rough, but also having just like, if you had just given birth six weeks before. And yeah, it
3: was a little tough. It was yeah. a little tough. We, we rehearsed the show in New York So all of us were, at that time, I still had my uh, uh, co-op in Mm -hmm. Manhattan. So we were all in this one-bedroom apartment, uh, (laughs) you know, in New York City. And it was my husband and I, uh, the two kids, and a nanny. And we all went in tow for a year. And then my husband got uh, the CBS position. And I said, okay, now it's time to give my notice. Mm -hmm. But that was, um, it was quite an incredible experience for all of us and for my family they all got a chance to see the kids because we'd go to different cities and and we would end up uh, having family dinners and it was really fun um, you know, as I said, the press had a, a field day with it. All the headlines said like, don't cry for me, You're baby <laughs> twins. <laughs> and, uh, we were on all the local news stations. I have incredible footage of my kids in their first year of, of life.
0: Oh, they must've been adorable. They
3: were very adorable. Mm-hmm. Very adorable. So, um,
0: but was fun. Were there, were there challenges? Um, very
3: much so. Well, yeah, and especially in the very beginning, because um, I, I had a cesarean section, so I was I was dealing with oh, recuperating, wow. and I was the first day. Uh, Larry Fuller says, "Okay, we're gonna dance Buenos Aires today." <laughs> so I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, if I could get through this!" and and I used to go home and I was like in tears, and I thought, "Oh my God, I'm never gonna be able to do this." And um, boy, oh boy, it just just shows you how strong you can be when you are determined. Uh-huh. And I did. I and my my costumes were all being taken in. Each city we went to, they would be taking in more and more and more as I lost all the baby weight. Uh-huh. And uh, finally, uh, you know, as I said, we did it for like a year. And uh, at that point, when my husband said, "Well, I just got offered a position at CBS," I said, "I think it's time. The boys are starting to walk now. <laughs> you know, let's let's go home and raise our family." It's one thing family.
0: to cart them around when they're you know exactly s- still in in sort of.
3: I call them plants. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're little carriers, they're little plants,
0: exactly, but once yeah, yeah once they're mobile, then yeah. that becomes a whole different story
3: absolutely uh-huh. but you know afterwards, I think it was a it was something that I really wanted. I had children late, mm-hmm. and uh it was a very conscious decision. it wasn't like oops, i'm pregnant it was it was a definite decision I wanted to have children yeah. so um and at that point I think it, it was probably more upsetting to my agent when I said I'm really not going to be doing theater for a while. I really want to stay home and raise my kids, mm-hmm. and uh, and I did. And I started a business with a few girlfriends. We had a wonderful. Uh, we manufactured children's pillows for a while. I mean, I've had my hand in so many different things. Wow, it's okay. uh, it was wonderful, and um, and then
0: uh, and at what point did you start? Did you start working again, or start exploring? Um,
3: I started exploring little jobs like uh i have a a really dear friend of mine who was my musical director conductor of evita and he said to me hey i'm i'm conducting something for the san diego pops um symphony you know would you be up for singing something and And I said, yeah, I would. Mm -hmm. And so I would go out and I would do an evening with the pops. And I thought, this is nice. Okay. You know, I could do this. So, uh, you know, then I started doing just concert work. And that would just take me out of town for a night or two nights at the most. And I would come back. And so I was able to maintain my whole family life, be able to be at all my kids' events and uh, you know, all their show and tells and, and volunteer at the school and really be a present mom. At the same time, I would get a little piece of myself on the weekend, maybe a Friday or Saturday night. And my husband was just terrific about it. He said, you know, go, you know, this is something I can't give you, you know, this is your own, you know, take it, run with it. So that's how I kept myself in good shape and vocally very toned and warm. And, and then, as as the kids got older and older, I thought, well, now I can start exploring, doing some roles in the theater again.
0: Because I, I think it is it is funny that, that I think a lot of parents will will agree that that your kids are really only little kids for there's just yeah, a, a brief time. A, yeah. a brief period before then they're off at school and and you can start to explore more things. What was uh, do you remember what the first kind of full show was that you did? after after the kids were bigger?
3: Hmm. I I would say it was probably either a regional production of Evita or uh, or a La Mancha. I did it in, I did like five productions of La Mancha. I did Fiddler mm-hmm. uh when they were uh still young um uh, in fact, I was just working with a director who was uh, muddled the tailor in the production, and he saw the boys, and it was Richard Israel. Oh, yes, who, uh, <laughs> who was also on the board of the <laughs> Yes, Foundation, exactly, right? and, uh, and he said, oh, my goodness, look at, you know, I can't believe how big they are. <laughs> you know, they were just like little tykes that were hanging around backstage when we did the show at uh, Sacramento Music Circus. So, yeah, I would do those kinds of regional jobs, which was great fun for me because it was only a three-week commitment uh-huh. something like that and uh, I would be able to bring my children with me um, uh, and and so little by little I started putting my feet back in the waters and um, and then of course you know when Norma Desmond came up for Musical theater West I I just well, I went out for it <laughs> you yeah. know I said I think they really wanted to find a celebrity for it and I said just give me a shot mm-hmm. at it just let me audition for it. And then that led to, uh, you know, Dolly at 3D Theatricals. And uh, and then I just did another uh, Sunset Boulevard for Moonlight Amphitheater in San Diego. So I'm trying to keep it around this area, although uh, I was just recently offered uh, a play in Maine oh. uh, in the fall. Oh. And I thought, oh, that sounds kind of nice. That yeah. would be you know, another new avenue to uh to explore. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, it's it it changes and, and you know you had mentioned that about the kids. They are little for such a short period of time. And now they are out there, they're so independent and on their own and they get so tickled when they see me up on stage and and uh, they, they're always saying to me, oh, you should go here. You should do this, you know. And,
0: oh, that's great. So, yeah. they're, so they're not those kids that are just like, oh, mom.
3: Oh, no. <laughs> they're so supportive. They're so wonderful.
0: Although the, I think the best revenge as parents for everything your kids put you through when you're younger is that you can embarrass them when they're when they're older <laughs> do you have any do you have any embarrassing tidbits about uh, Jack and Benny
3: Hmm, embarrassing tidbits let me see oh gosh they would kill me if i revealed <laughs> some of these things i'm sure when you speak to them they'll have plenty to I will, say uh, about I, me uh,
0: yeah. they uh, so i thought i would give you equal time
3: yeah yeah mm-hmm. well you know jack always jokes around he says uh, that my mom had my brother and i so that she could have her own band <laughs> You know, because they often accompany me. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, we have a show that we put together called All in the Family, in which uh, the three of us perform... All together. And,
0: and have you have you done that here in LA?
3: We did. Yeah. Uh, we did it at uh, Musical Theater West Broadway and Concert Series, and then we have a date. We have two dates at the Rubicon Theater in August. August twenty fourth and twenty fifth, we'll be doing it uh, there. Okay. So we're well, we excited. will definitely
0: we will definitely look for that because yeah. that sounds that sounds really
3: fun. It is fun. <laughs> yeah. It is fun, and we we get to tattle on each other, you know, (laughs) some of the things. They they talk about the fact that uh, Bath Time was always a new album, you know, they would, my husband was into the Beatles, and they would listen to all, well, all rock and roll, actually, I shouldn't say just the Beatles, but they, their knowledge of music and different genres is astounding for kids their age. But we introduced them to all that, and then they, they tell the story of how whenever mom was auditioning for something, we learned the music because yes. it was always in the car <laughs> going to school and sporting events and uh-huh. stuff like that.
0: Well, that's great. It sounds like you, I mean, it really sounds like you've had an amazing balance between like having a fulfilling career and having this this great family.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's such an incredible feeling at this stage of my life to be able to look back and say, wow, you know, this is, I've accomplished the things that I've really wanted to accomplish, all the things that really hold meaning for me you know, being creative and having all of that uh, uh, wonderful, all the wonderful roles that I've been privileged to play, and at the same, uh, on the same hand, to be able to be a mother and, and really enjoy my family every stage, mm-hmm. every step of the way, you know, from birth to now they're like 26, Wow. <laughs>
0: It happens Amazing. quickly. Uh, well, thank you so much. That's so I think welcome. that's really inspiring, especially for a lot of people in theater where you think it's got to be one or the other. So yeah. so thank you for, for kind of leading the way on that.
3: Oh, um, you're so welcome. It's well, I appreciate pleasure. you
0: talking to me. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank Valerie and Jack and Benny for talking to me. If you're in Los Angeles, you can catch Valerie in Ragtime at the Pasadena Playhouse. And you can see Jack and Benny perform at the Luckman Fine Arts Complex on the campus of Cal State L.A. I would also like to thank you for joining me. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast, and it would be great if you would leave us a nice review on iTunes. Also, you can find out more information about the Foundation for New American Musicals at our website, fnam.us. There you can get tickets to events such as Music Musical or Third Mondays. And I hope you'll join me for the next episode of Musicast. Thank you for listening.